Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Happy 4th of July weekend to the Pantheon community and all those who come and support us week in and week out out here on the Rewind. Episode 13. Not the luckiest of numbers, that's for sure. And I just realized that we're recording this on a Friday. This is where we should cue the Friday the 13th music right here. But then we'd probably get sued. So I kid, I kid. Um, either way, one of my favorite times of the week, even though it's stressful getting this all out is Friday nights when we record the rewind and even more exciting when we put it out there on Sunday for people to absorb and chat with. And I I love the aspects of what this show does for allowing people to listen to Pantheon on the fly, hear our opinions and be able to respond and and be part of the conversation. So, um, as always, I do this with my brother in arms, Theric at my side. So how's it going, my dude? It is going really, really well. It is friggin' super hot here, but uh, the AC is still on, so thank the gods for that. And he said, happy 4th of July weekend to uh, all everybody in the U.S., and happy Canada Day. And last Wednesday was Canada Day for everybody here in Canada, so I'm ready to go. There you go. So all around the North American sort of continent we're celebrating. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, something all like right. that. Well, uh, let, let's like keep anybody waiting any longer. Let's go ahead and kick this show off. This week in Visionary Realms News and Notes. So in the VR Notes and News section here, um, we'll start by talking very briefly about the VIP roundtable that actually just hit Friday night. So this month's roundtable featured Kilson, and he was by himself this time. Typically, he interviews different people of the VR team and takes submitted questions. This one was a little different. Um, He had his own sort of um, discussion around community management and a lot of the um, side questions that sort of related to his time with Pantheon and his thoughts on development. It was really casual. Um, So since this really just hit the mainstream here uh, before we started recording, we're not going to go into super detail on this. But again, it's a very relaxed roundtable where he's sort of just chatting with the VIPs. Um, it's really, really casual. Uh, but there is some good stuff in here. So if you have some, um, some time to do so, check it out. But it's honestly not a whole ton to talk about that's going to be groundbreaking here on the Rewind anyway. Yeah, I didn't even get a chance to listen to it yet. I, I kept meaning to all week. I had it on my to-do list and then I just never got to it yet. So it'll be news to me as well. Yeah, yeah. So check it out. I mean, there's some stuff in there and throw some comments into the uh, YouTube video here or on Twitter if there's anything specific that really stood out to you guys listening. So um, let's move on to VR on Twitter. So the first thing uh, that we're going to talk about here is a near and dear topic to my heart that people are probably sick of hearing me talk about week in and week out. <laughs> but the question on Twitter was, do you color coordinate your armor in game? Or are you more of a stat chaser and could care less about how you look? I found this interesting. Color is spelled, I refer to this as the Canadian way with the U, right? But this is Kilson. So in Australia, do they spell color wrong there as well? Or <laughs> Yeah, I think they use the British, uh, sort of British English there as well as a former British colony, as mm. as Canada is as well. Okay. So that's, yeah. I didn't even notice that, but you're totally right. The, the yeah, well, we're color. in America here. We're a former British colony as well, but uh, we all know how that went down. <laughs> Fourth <laughs> of July weekend. broke away. Fourth we of July weekend. Yeah, yeah that's right. There you go. How appropriate. Is that why you spell color and center wrong? Like those two words drive me crazy. <laughs> wrong in quotation marks. I love it. Listen, that's how it works. Okay. So anyway, let's get back to the topic here. Do you color coordinate your armor in game or stats of 
more important to you when you can care less about how you look, basically. Okay, so the first one here was Basgrim. Uh, he said, I mean, when you really get down to it, looking like a badass so you can show off to your friend is really the only reason to play MMOs. I love that. I thought that was a really Rosen. good take. Definitely. Yeah, Ella Sarah, um, who I love her. If you guys like WoW at all, check her out. She's going to be doing some Pantheon streaming. She's so fun. She's so happy and positive. Um, it says here, stats are more important, but I might have a walking around set of gear to look cool in the city. Drac Attack says, always a stat chaser, but I do like collecting sets of armor. Disposalist says, both. I will pick the best looking stuff that has relevant stats and use appearance slots or dyes as necessaries. But then he made sure to put here in all caps, no dumb cosmetics, because that's where we always end up. Someone bringing mm-hmm. up a bunny uniform. Anytime we talk about transmog or dying or looking, it's always a bunny. There yeah. are pe- people hate or bunnies. Or a unicorn. Or a unicorn. People seem to get locked into the bunnies and the unicorns. I don't know what's up with that. What game are people playing where everyone is running around as a bunny like, and there, a unicorn? Isn't there like a My Little Pony MMO that... <laughs> Maybe, maybe there's a deeper rooted issue here. Yeah, maybe there's deeper. a deeper rooted issue here that there's a lot of people in the community who like accidentally found themselves stuck in the My Little Pony but, game. But <laughs> what if the bunny costume had really good stats? I mean, where <laughs> does that go. leave us then? What if you had mad climbing skills and hopping ability in that bunny? <laughs> what if you had to just put it on for like a moment just to accomplish something and then you could take it right off? You're in the middle of a raid. Okay, everybody, put on your bunny outfit so we can get past this part. Oh, that would be the greatest thing ever. Kind of funny, actually, yeah. I kind of support that. So many people would be so mad, but just that anger would make me laugh so much. (laughs) Did you guys, the climate, like there's a climate. Did you bring the bunny outfit? (laughs) BR, I hope you're listening. Nobody screenshot this. Nobody screenshot this. (laughs) Vandrad. I just picture Vandrad being really, his whole character would look angry wearing a bunny outfit to get through something would be great it's like the evil easter bunny or something yeah it's like a donnie darko bunny that's van yeah, that's exactly what it would be <laughs> that's exactly right um the next person here a play by Seder. he actually was on last time or she um when the item design is good prioritizing stats for the class spec can result in looking very cool with that being said how good are set bonuses versus raw stats uh, there's a million variables here getting in depth JJ Padaria says, uh, kind of both. It's an RPG, so stats and numbers matter, but it would be nice to have great stats and look badass at the same time. Brimstone Gaming, looking cool in video games is everything. You know this. I love that. (laughs) Uh, Dave Pryor says, I'd like to think that the design team with um, basically bear this in mind when making sets. Um, But this is basically endgame that he's talking about. Having mismatch armor is sort of a rite of passage. You should look increasingly godlike the more you accomplish. No level 20 should look epic. I can get behind that. That's a reasonable way of going about it, I think. Yeah, I kind of do. You have to work to look good. Yeah. No, I'm I'm fine with working, so I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) So Jim says, uh, usually I do, but I'm really trying not to look bad rather than to look good. (laughs) I really like it when EQ came out with the appearance tab, a set of armor and weapons so you could maintain the look you liked. That's a great, like, that's a great way of putting it. Like trying not to look bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I trying to survive the, uh, survive the fashion uh, quest. I'm happy you brought <laughs> that up because there's some good comments coming here about that. Um, so we have uh, Sylvia DeBarber said, I don't see why we can't have stats and cosmetics. 
I literally won't play a game if I'm forced to play a character that looks horrible. More freedom, the better, in my opinion. I hated that about WoW Classic. You can still have an old school feel and not have to go back to the 90s. I like that point a lot, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit in the, the future here. Um, the next one, Gamer88 says, Color coordinate your look is half the fun in MMORPGs. Look at the success of Final Fantasy XIV and other games who have robust armor customization. A lot of players only play for that feature. I hate when games have full body outfits of armor. Important uninst- an instant uninstall for me. Wow. Yeah, he's pretty hardcore. I love mm-hmm. this one. Retired, who's a great streamer. He actually streams a lot at ESO. But Retired's a really, really good guy. He says, cool. fashion per second is end game, brah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one FPS. line, all he needs. You can't use FPS, though, because FPS already exists. You have to figure that one out. Um, <laughs> Al Gamer says both, but stats come first. Sir Charles says always stats first, but it doesn't hurt to look good. Jay says, ahem, ahem, armor dies. Then I can do both. Um, I can't pronounce Architestra. Oh, I think I got no, it right. You got it. Yeah, first try. Good job. Architestra. All right. Um, I favor ESO's Transmog and Final Fantasy's Glamour system. You can apply the styles and gear you've procured over your real gear, can mix and match, and dye it different colors. Even a simpler Transmog like WoW's is nice. Looking like a mismatch mess breaks immersion for me. So I a agree mismatch. with everything they're saying there, but they, they threw in that last part. Makes, you know that makes me mad when I hear that. Version. Yeah, yeah. I just like the line, a mismatched mess. <laughs> I think that, that's a good way yeah. of putting it. Yeah. No, yes, it is. <laughs> we'll talk about it here. Aiden yeah, McDonald yeah. said, stats, please. This ain't no fashion parade. Well, listen, Aiden McDonald, it oh, is a fashion geez. parade. <laughs> hardcore on the other side of the Super hardcore, yeah. Of the uh, Fupo Headhunter says, mm, both. Any MMO nowadays that can't figure out a die system needs to figure out things about what they are doing. I don't know exactly what he was trying to say, but I get it. Like, I, any yeah, in modern MMO. Yeah. All right, yeah. so let's go. That, that was a lot of the opinions. Most were pretty, it was pretty even down the middle. There weren't a lot of haters like uh, Aiden McDonald, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> a lot of people, you know, stats and like eh, maybe a little bit of this and that. So my take is if you're listening to the show, then odds are you know me. <laughs> I'm all about looking awesome. Um, now, yep. my competitive side is not going to allow me to ignore stats. So please don't get me wrong. If there's an either or situation, then I'm going to play around with things until I can kind of get what I need to be successful. But I also think it's important to note that dying systems and transmog systems should sort of be basic needs in an MMORPG. Um, These are things that are staples in the genre um, and to a large base of players. And it is kind of silly if, you know, there isn't this doesn't exist. I, I really do think that. And it's also a huge collecting segment to the game that adds another reason to log in or another goal or maybe to go back into old content to kind of try to get some of the stuff you've missed. And I think that that playability is something you don't want to just not have in your game. It's it, any reason to log in or stay subscribed is a good reason. And this is a big reason for a lot of people. Um, and to all the EQ fans out there who don't like this, yes, I'm calling you out EQ fans. I'm an EQ fan too. So just know that first. But um, I very distinctly remember this, Derek. You tell me if I'm wrong, that people wore robes that looked awesome instead of wearing like, wearing, like a robe that looked really good. I'm sorry, that was just stats heavy. Like if a robe yeah. was really cool looking, people wore that all the time. 
Oh, totally. Totally. I, and you know, that's the thing is that it's that nexus of good looks and stats and you can design for that to keep people playing, right? Like people know what looks good and what doesn't. There is sort of a common aesthetic. I mean, everybody's got different tastes to some extent, but you know, there, everybody knows that having a really sharp looking robe is, is something to strive for. And, um, you know, I think that that's a really big motivator, like you said, for a lot of people to keep playing. So like, so for, yeah. And like, for me, I'll just add in my two cents here, but like, for me, it's color coordination is, is important. I do like that. But for me, it's also about like texture coordination, right? I don't want to wear weird combinations like plate and leather or like weird cloth gloves with my plate chest piece. Like I don't, it looks weird, right? Like I need to be coordinated from padded gloves that look like mittens. (laughs) Oh yeah, the mitten gloves drive me crazy. Yes, I've I've had games with those in them, and they they're awful. But um, you know, if I had my choice, I would have a perfectly like medium armor leather, nicely textured leather, full armor set that looks nice and is really really good for my stats. So I mean, what it, that, that sort of tells you, you know, this is what this is what people are into. Eric, I got to say, I mean, it kind of sounds like you're a fan of transmog, and you just don't really know it that well yet. <laughs> Well, in the discussions we've had, I've always, I haven't been against it. I just, the only thing, my only caveat is that you have to acquire the item first before you can transmog mm-hmm. into that item. You know, as long as you can do that, I, I have no problem with it. Um, I just think we need to, like I said, it's motivating for the players to uh, to strive for a really good looking piece of gear. And as long as you get it, if you want to overwrite what you're currently wearing with something that looks like something you've achieved or attained before, no problem. Yeah, I'm 100% on board. And you know what the other thing too, and I've brought this point up before, but maybe not on the rewind. So I'm not going to go into it in depth, but I think that a transmog system in Pantheon could also be very, very good for the economy. And hear me out on this because in other games, like there's soulbound items, right? So they become part of your transmog library because they're soulbound to you and, and then you just destroy it or sell it for gold to a vendor or something. But in Pantheon, we know that there's not going to be a lot of soulbound gear. It's going to be tradable. So if you want something to be living in your transmog library, it would make sense that you would have to sacrifice it or some way to your transmog library, right? Because otherwise you could just like trade stuff around to your friends and just fill up your log and then sell stuff. So the, it could be a really good way if done right to, to take items out of the economy, which means that items would hold more value. And I don't think a lot of people are thinking about that side of it. And while I do want to look pretty and I do think that's what's most important, I do think that this side effect of how the system could work could be a massive pos- like positive for the community and the economy. Yeah, it can serve a, it can serve numerous purposes, right? I've seen that discussion on forums like um back a little while ago. Um and it's totally true, you know, you do need a way to get items out of the economy to continue to uh, you know, cycle and 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 make the economy grow and and a living thing, right? So, you're right. It's a great um it's a great thing it could serve multiple purposes. So I'll stop there because we could do a whole show on Transmog and you guys know <laughs> yeah. that about me. Um, so, so interesting, Derek. I didn't kind of, as much as we talk about Transmog, I never got a real feel for where you are. It sounds like as long as you're earning it, you're fine with it. And I like that. I'm actually. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one here, I'm calling you out VR. Kilson, calling you out because I know this is you who does these questions. You said, do you like solving in-game puzzles? And if so, what type of puzzles do you like best or consider the most enjoyable and challenging well kilson you posted the same exact question 
on April 30th. This is a repeat. And now that we're doing the rewind and looking these over, I'm like, wait a second. We've talked about this before. Maybe so, maybe it's like whatever, you know, 4th of July for you, July 1st for me, maybe that, that week is in Australia too, because that's where he is, right? So maybe he's taking the week off and like, this is his, uh, his one uh, gimme that he gets to sort of recycle an old question for his job this week. I don't know. I don't, Kelson, I see you, Kelson. I see you. <laughs> so I'm not going to go into it. We've already talked about this. So I don't want to jump into it again. We already know that people don't like jumping puzzles. That's what we learned, if I remember yes. correctly. Yes, we learned that, definitely. <laughs> no jumping puzzles. And I will just say one more time, if any puzzle or quest, this is kind of a side thing, if any puzzle or quest is uh, also a escort is involved, hate it. I hate anything that has to do with escort quests or escort anything. So <laughs> there you go. Throw that out there in our free time here. So that's it for VR news and notes this week. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into social media and see what the discussion is all about. Okay, so this week I wanted to go a little deeper into a discussion um, that we actually had last week about player reputation. So if you recall, it was the Twitter question that VR asked last week being, how important is reputation to you in an MMO? And we chatted about this during the show and during the chat as well. Um, and it, led, it leads to the inevitable question of how reputation is actually handled within the game itself. So over on the forums at PantheonMMO.com this week, uh, Starblight asked that very question. He asked, reputation, how do you track it and how many people do you track? And here's the, here's the text of his, uh, of his post. He says, Kilson's post about reputation and people's responses got me thinking about how people keep track of reputation. Not only how, but how, do you, how many people do you normally track? I find it interesting how important people seem to think it is. In EQ, the only game I've played that I've even come close to tracking other players, I think I had one or two people on my ignore list. I know I added people to friends lists that I liked, but even then, the list was pretty small, like maybe 10 people. When I think more about it, I never really tracked players. Definitely not what I would consider reputation tracking. If If the game gave me a dedicated area to track people, I think I might use it. I doubt I would use it for negative reputations because I see no reason to track people I don't like, but rather I would just ignore them. So Starblade had a couple of ideas, like in-game things, you know, tools that maybe people might be interested. So he just sort of threw these out there. He said, you know, a place for notes, um, a place for screenshots, like of the character or like a situation that you've been in, um, when they last talked to the person, maybe the history of the conversation, when they were last grouped or what zone they were grouped in. And like the last trade or whatever that trade was, if they made it with somebody. So what basically he's saying is that, um, you know, is reputation tracking just a process you do on your own, like outside the game on paper? Or is it something that there's an in-game tool that could assist with? And before we get too deep into the weeds here, um, it is important to note that VR clearly stated as recently as like December of 2019, uh, that Pantheon, and this is a quote, will not have a rating, reputation, or ranking system. We've made this very clear. So, you know, they're saying that this, they're not building a system into the game that really deals with this, but it's not also, I don't think it's excluding like a personal tool. Like I'm just saying like a simple note page or some way to put up, you know, personal notes for your, for your own purpose, for your own use. Um, so let's uh, hear what the discussion from the community uh, said about this, because there were some interesting responses. Uh, first off is Nafel, and Nafel always has good points. He said, I'm ashamed to, I'm ashamed to admit that for years, my guild maintained a blacklist. People who had severely wronged one of us got added to it, and everyone else knew to watch out for them. We even shared it with other allied or like-minded guilds. In addition, if we saw more than one or two names from the same guild on there, the guild itself went on a gray list of sorts. 
basically we communicated that the specific guild was not to be trusted. On the flip side, for a while in EQ2 and Vanguard, we also maintained a wall of awesome. The idea was that if players ran into somebody else or who was just really great, they could add that person's name to the list and everyone in the guild would know. So those are really good points, and I'll come back to one of them at least uh, in a bit here. Um, Counterfletch said, aside from the standard friend ignore options, the only game I track other players uh, in is City of Heroes. It lets me rate a player from one to five stars and write a note. This applies to the global account, so it displays for all my characters. It can be somewhat helpful, but it really needs two features to make it good. Here's the two features he suggested. Number one, allow me to rate someone multiple times and then show me the average. Many people have like good or bad days or behave differently based on the team. So averaging my ratings would give me a better overall impression of that person. And secondly, automate notes to automatically record when I'm teamed up with somebody, including the name of the character I was on and the other players uh, and the name of the other player. I like to record the date, names, and a brief description just so I can jog my memory. Um, Hokanu said, if someone is going to annoy me enough to warrant this kind of thing, they truly and well, they are well and truly locked into my memory banks. Um, yeah, so that's kind of funny. If somebody really, yeah. you know, pisses you off, it's like, yeah, I kind of remember that person too. Um, Disposalist said, if VR really wants, now Disposalist disagrees with their stance on not integrating some tools. So that's sort of where he's going with this. But he says, if VR really wants to go the way of letting the community police itself, then they need to give them the tools to do it. These days, it will be a bigger issue than it used to be. I also think there should be public, not just personal tools to help with this, like a rating system. If it gets abused, it should be designed around like any other system. It's not impossible and being tricky isn't a reason not to do something that could be beneficial. So that's a pretty strong counterpoint from him there. Um, Fulton said notes would be nice and maybe last date of communication or grouping. In EQ1, I would add people I grouped with to my friends list and then eventually not see them for a long time and forget who they were and why I added them. That's such this a good is, point. Oh my gosh, know, that's know, such right? a good point. I forgot. Oh my God, I'm thinking of my wow friends list. I'm just like, like after a year I go through and like just take people off and I feel bad because I just don't know who they are. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm a hundred percent. I had my Hearthstone. I had my friends list in Hearthstone and and there's, there's even like, a note system there. Like you could put a note yeah. about somebody like, oh, met them on this day and we did this, but nobody does it. No. Well, you know, I, I don't know if, I don't know if Carson had the note system, but I forgot who people were. Like, even if I had a really good match against somebody and we talked afterwards and they're like, good game, good game, da, 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 da. Like six months later, I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> Why are you <laughs> on my friends? I haven't talked to you since. Now there's some exceptions, obviously, but he's totally right. Like you just forget about these people eventually. Totally. Um, yeah. So Kalok said, I have a one note where I keep track of people on my personal blacklist. I track who they are, any alts I know of, what they did to earn their spot there, and when they did it. I do something similar for people on my personal friends list as well. So that's pretty organized system. He's did you ever see that. Billy Madison? Long time ago. Like when he calls, um, it's a goofy guy's name. He calls him and he's like, hey, man, I just want to say I'm sorry for beating you up back in high school. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. And he crosses his name off like the list of people. <laughs> Don't make yeah. Cal look mad. <laughs> That's what That's I'm just saying right there. <laughs> yeah, seriously. He's got like notes on you going back 20 years. He knows he where knows. you are. <laughs> he's like the FBI. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, Philo said, uh, I found it isn't necessary to track anything if the server populations are well balanced in the game with slow leveling. After the first six months or so, you have crossed paths with everyone else who is max level at some point. You either have direct experience or you've heard things from other people, so you know who to avoid. 
word of mouth happens readily. So you end up knowing where the bad eggs are. By that point, if you're an active player and you haven't heard something negative about somebody, they're probably a competent player and a decent person. Granted, if you don't play much and you're not quite as immersed in the community as others might be, you might not know what's happening on your server. Um, Renaria said, I keep track of them by memory. If someone does something bad enough to warrant being, my, being on my blacklist and it has to be pretty severe, then it'll stick. If it doesn't stick in my memory, then they get a second chance. Like people have bad days and make a bad decision now and then. So it's, you know, it's, if it's a one-time thing and not severe, I just forget about it. Uh, yeah. So he goes on to uh, talk a little bit about his experiences more specifically. Um, Merrick says, if someone said something disgusting in chat, I would just ignore them. And that was that. Sometimes I might give them the benefit of the doubt, like the three strike rule. Um, I also got to know a number of folks through regular random pickup groups. Uh, you quickly learn to identify who the bad players are or just generally bad people, I guess. Uh, however, when you're facing, uh, when you are facing very challenging content and harsh penalties for failure, people tend to be less asshatish and actually focus more. I'd like to see that revived in Pantheon, but the world we live in, it's greatly changed. And I doubt whether we will get that play style or whether that play style, much less the attitude it takes to tolerate it, can ever be a reality again. So he's kind of hoping against hope, I guess. And then lastly, um, Chogar said, I'm all for having an in-game method to track players as long as it's on a personal basis and not public. Uh, meaning if you do not like somebody and you will know, however, nobody else will. Letting a system remind a person who they had fun with or didn't have fun with, he's okay with, public ways of shaming people or praising them that has too much potential to be abused. He says, so lots of good, um, lots of good points back and forth there. Not everybody's sort of feeling, um, the same way about it, which is always interesting for me personally. Um, you know, I, I, have always taken notes. I'm a pretty big note taker journaler kind of person. Um, it helps me when I write things down, especially as I get older, I, I have to write things down or else I just don't remember them. You know, if somebody does something I think is reflective on their character, I always take, I always make note of it. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing a space for something like this in my character's bio, like just something on my my character page. Um, it, it's easy to do on paper, but if it's in the game, I would probably use it. I think what Nafel said about having a rating system with a guild is a really good idea. And we talked about this last week about guild tools and group organization. But, you know, beyond that, um, if it stays out of the game, that's maybe the best case scenario. I don't know. You know, we go down this rabbit hole, you get into like gaming the system People abuse it. It gets used for nefarious purposes, that kind of thing. And reputation being sort of organic is actually one of the reasons why we play social MMOs, right? Hearing about people, what people are up to, who did what, and sort of that back and forth, you know, of word of mouth or maybe, you know, keeping up with the community. That's what it's all about. And you have to sort of be engaged and, and sort of, you know, um, mentally tracking these things a little bit or just make connections with people so you can learn what's going on. And I think allowing it to happen naturally um, is sort of a big, important piece. And there's a bigger discussion here about how you prevent people from dodging bad reputations, but we'll save that topic for another day. So having heard all those opinions, Minus, I know you really wanted to jump in a few times. What do you think? How do you track good and bad people on a server? Yeah, it's actually, it's it's kind of interesting to hear like all this stuff people do. Um, I Like I said, I played WoW for like 14 years and... I'm trying to think if I had anybody on my block list. I, I, if I did, I don't know why. And if I did, it was probably less than five in 14 yeah. years. Um, I've never been one to really back down from someone who annoys me. Like usually if someone tries to annoy me or make my life miserable, I'm pretty good at countering it to the point where they go away. <laughs> so, when I become, <laughs> the, best, the best defense is a good offense. Yes. I, I won't lie. Sometimes I become the, like, when I was a kid in high school, without going like crazy into detail, I was the kid who was like, 
the punk rock kid, you know, crazy colored hair, piercings. I was the kid in my school who picked on bullies, right? Like, so like I was the protector of like the nerdy kids and, and all the weird cliques that had like four or five people in them that didn't really fit into a group. (laughs) So like my whole life has been like when somebody's like trying to be a douche, like I'm like, Oh, game on, let's see. And so like, I am kind of aggressive towards really negative people. Um, and you can kind of see that in the Pantheon community. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm not fighting for the, uh, the nicest human being in the Pantheon community title here. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be me. I do believe in community. I do believe respect is important, but sometimes like open and honestly, like some people don't reserve, deserve respect. Like you you have to earn it. You got to call a spade a spade. Yeah. I mean, you do have to sort of, you know, you got to hold people accountable sometimes. And, And I think that this is one of those systems that, um, you know, that the goal is, is that is the goal. You know, you want to hold people accountable. You want to say like, oh, I don't want to let you get away with being a dick this time because, and not remember it next time when we grew up and I can't tell somebody why, you know, what, what you yeah. did last time, you know, you want to remember those kinds of things. So I, I hear what you're saying. And, and I, I, I kind of agree with you. You know, I, I think that this, the purpose of doing this has validity. Um, and I, I love that you, you know, I love that you, the approach you take sometimes when somebody's saying, you know, something, when somebody's being disrespectful or somebody's being a, just a jerk, you know, I, 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 I really respect your approach with that sometimes. So well, what's interesting, I, right? So there's, there's all these theories on how you should represent the community, right? Like, and, and I've gotten into debates with, with very prominent members of the community of the content creator community of just, you know, the Pantheon community in general and people will say to me like, oh, you know, well, like you're one of the face of you know, content. So, you know, you should act a certain way. Well, number one, I never asked to be right. So like, yeah. I get it. I get that you make a lot of content and people are going to relate some of it to you and you'll have fans, you know, people who hate you. Um, that's not my goal. My goal is to spread the word of Pantheon. Like I want people to talk about it. I want people to have discussions. And then like, there's this whole thing of like, ignore the bad people when they go away. That's not how life works. Look out, look at the news. <laughs> like it, it doesn't work. You can't just ignore them. Um, and, and when we say the words community matters, like, you know, it matters on both sides. Like you have to be able to protect the community too. And I'm not saying like I'm this holy knight protecting the community and that my opinion is always right. Cause that's definitely not what I'm saying. But if someone's being a douche, like call them out for being a douche. And, and that kind of goes back to this whole system. Sorry. I'm kind of really getting off track here with this discussion point. No, it's all good. But, but, you know, it's interesting to me because I can remember, um, there's two people in particular, no, there's probably three or four. Um, there's, there's, there's people in WoW that I remember from just constantly spamming like trade chat channels. Right. And they had a bad reputation for that. Um, and just like the shit talkers, I guess you'd say. Um, but like, again, they never got to a point where I felt like I had to block them because if they came at me, they were the ones that were like backing away or calling me a jerk just made me laugh. Right. Like you're, you're, you're a black spot on the community and you think that you're going to offend me by saying I'm a jerk. Like, (laughs) come on. Um, but yeah, I've never, I've never kept track. And you know what it is? I was thinking about the whole time you were reading and some of these people had some great points. Um, but I think as a guild leader for a majority of it, like I was constantly trying to recruit and know people and we had like guild alliances and stuff. So like, it was just kind of natural to know who to stay away from, who to, you'll pursue. Um, and really the people that bothered me most were people who caused problems in the guild that I had to get rid of (laughs) more so than people outside of it. So it's an interesting topic. Um, one of the things I'll add is somebody talked about making notes in the game and Mm. in wow, there was an add on that was like a post-it note add on. Like you could literally put post-it notes on your page and like there were tabs down the right side of your page to pull them out. 
Now, I didn't use it for this. I used it for um, taking notes during raids or having um, very specific notes I needed about raid encounters to remind me of certain things. But right. it's uh, it would be really interesting if they had that in-game in some way to take notes and then people could use it however they wanted. So Pantheon wouldn't really, VR wouldn't really be making a system yeah. they don't want to do, but they could give people a pretty neat tool. Yeah, like a multi-purpose system, not made specifically for reputation tracking, but for people to use as they see fit, right? If that means taking a note or writing something down, oh, I just had a really good group with this person. They did, you know, they know what they're doing. They're a great, you know, enchanter. They, they're a super nice person, that kind of thing. I think back when Nafel said too about the wall of awesome, like that's the kind of good stuff yeah. that you want to promote, right? Like it's not always about the negative stuff. It's about keeping track of, cause I forget when somebody does nice things. I mean, unfortunately I'm not like a super computer and I don't mem- remember everything, but people do nice things. And sometimes I'm like, Oh man, I forgot that person did that a long time ago. And I want to, I want to remember those things. Right. So, um, I think it's important. And like you said, it's a guild tool you need to know who, if somebody's applying to your guild, you know, what is their reputation on the, on the server? What is their reputation in the community? Are they, you know, have they offended? Have they done acted poorly or, or been awesome, you know, like it's very helpful information. So let me add one more, let me add one more thing here. Um, so there was one tool I used in WoW that was really important and knowing that Pantheon may not support like a lot of APIs to be able to pull data. Like they've kind of talked about that, that you might not have access like you did in WoW and games like that, which is fine. But there was a website where you could like look up somebody and see all the guilds they were in. So you could see like people who are guild hoppers, like someone who joined a guild and like a couple weeks later they were out of it a guild and then they joined another guild. So like you could see like their guild history. That was really helpful as a guild leader. Like when someone applied and we thought they were pretty good, I'd usually look at that. It's almost like on a resume when someone applies for a job, you see how long they stay in their jobs. Um, (laughs) So like that would be a neat tool to see like the player history. Um, But again, then it kind of, it's a tough thing because they also don't want to like, create tools that alienate players or create bad experiences for probably a lot of reasons. So it's right. You gotta be so really careful. Yeah. So when me and Mike are taking applications for our guild and it says rogue, we just cross it right off. Like if your resume says rogue we're, we're just, you're out. Sorry. Yeah. I'm going to make an elf called like elves are the greatest. I love Legolas or whatever. And I'm going to try <laughs> to infiltrate the guild so that I know what's going on. Good to know. I'm making a note of that right now, actually, believe it or not. Good luck remembering. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on. <clears throat> We've got a couple new members of the community uh, who uh, introduced themselves this week. So um, first up is uh, Oakenpage. So uh, Oakenpage stopped by the forums to say, hello, everyone. I've been, uh, it's been over a decade since I joined any sort of forum for a game. It feels like it's been longer. I'm really excited to be here and I look forward to browsing most of the forums and seeing what y'all have to say played wow for about six years vanilla to whenever cataclysm released so that is forming a lot of my experiences about what i'd like to see from an mmorpg my main my main character was a druid who liked to heal support off tank my second character was a warrior and i love to tank mostly pve dungeons and raids but i enjoyed pvp battlegrounds occasionally as well so uh oaken page goes on to give a bit of a memorable story experience from wow i won't go into it here but some of the things that uh, they're looking forward to the most in pantheon is class identity um being a nobody, uh, making my way around the world so that no more hero stuff that we're seeing all the time. And, and they say that as well. Uh, world lore with a rich history and background. So, yeah, good to hear you there, dude. Um, a rich, uh, sorry, rich background here. So that um, I think that's it. Thanks for reading if you took the time. So, yeah, welcome to Oaken Page. 
And secondly, uh, Counterfletch, who actually I, I mentioned earlier, one of the comments in the previous discussion, he um, has been around for quite a while and he just finally got around to doing an introduction. So he says, I've been semi-active here for about a year and a half, uh, but I never bothered to introduce myself. Started MMO gaming with Anarchy Online, where I was very active in the forums. I was mostly well known for my guide to teaming with Docs, which I wrote as a way uh, to parody all the crap healers have to deal with. The thread ended up becoming quite popular. It was even redone uh, for different games by others. Um, so Counterflesh has played other MMOs, EQ2, Dark Age of Camelot, DDO, Guild Wars 2, and a few others. Um, played the most and still play is City of Heroes. I think that actually was his comment earlier. Um, he likes the creativity that that game allows and a huge amount of replayability um, and was drawn to Pantheon because I'm looking for a modern take on first generation MMOs. I really want a challenging team based game that rewards player scale and takes place in a large open world. So, yeah. So welcome to Oaken Page and Counterfletch over on the forums and uh, maybe uh, look for some of their comments in future discussions. So welcome, you guys. Um, Reddit was quiet this week, so we were going to skip Reddit this week where we'll check back next week. But over on Facebook, there was some interesting uh, posts. Um, firstly, we have a, a new member of the Facebook community, a new uh, person. I think this person might be the leader of the Autobots <laughs> because their name is Minus Prime. So if you start seeing like posted targeted ads that just seem a little too specific, you know, you might actually be a bot. But uh, I'm just kidding, of course. Nice to see you over there, buddy. You yeah. uh, rebranded yourself on Facebook. Well, yeah. So I used to be on it on my personal page, but like, I honestly hate Facebook like more than life <laughs> itself. And I do believe that social media is the cause of everything negative in our world. And I know that that's ridiculous coming from a guy who spends so much time on it like through Pantheon Plus. So I actually am starting to just get rid of all my personal stuff and just making social media more about the fun from Pantheon Plus and making it a positive experience. So I'm deleting my real Facebook and like, you know, my family's like, oh, like, where are we going to contact? Like, you know, they yeah. just text me or whatever. But so, yeah, it makes you pick a first and a last name. <laughs> like, yeah. You should have saw how agonizing it was to pick a last name. So it's like, whatever. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook. I don't like to say that here because I know that uh, Chase and the, and the groups over there. No, they're, they're doing great. Community. It's it's not it's not like Facebook that's bad. Yeah. That, what they're doing is great. Like. The, the impact on our personal lives is what I'm away from. I love their group. I know. I know. I don't even, I like, I do have a Facebook profile, but it's not my real name. And it's like my, my secret, you know, whatever undercover name, just cause I don't care for Facebook. I don't, you know, I don't mind Twitter, you know, whatever, but uh, uh, Facebook, I have a real issue with just in terms of them as a, as an organization. But, um, you know, it, it is funny when you try to, I did had to pick a name. I, obviously you have to pick a name over there. And so I was like trying to be real creative and, and sneaky about, <laughs> so they don't make it easy to be anonymous, but you no, know, you they'll don't. do it. When I, my first name I put was minus division and it looks, and they, they stopped me from making the account and they said, it looks like you're trying to make a page. So I was like, no, it's <laughs> like, cause it's like a parent, like Facebook, like one of the roles is it has to be your real name. Like yeah, heck with you, Facebook. Why? So yeah, whatever. Like, give me, I'm not giving you any my bio. You don't need my bio, dude. Anyway, um, there was a pretty funny discussion over there. Actually, it's sort of a, sort of a joke. It made me laugh. Um, this week on Wednesday, uh, Douglas Dixon said, uh, he asked the group, um, quote, probably had been asked before, but will you be able to play Pantheon in VR? And, and then like exactly to the minute, an hour later, Alex Loomis posted, quote, probably been asked before, but will you be able to play Pantheon on a 56K modem? So obviously Alex is just having a little fun, um, but I really salute his, his wit and his comedic timing with that. 
And, you know, of course, the answer to both these questions is no. Um, but some of the responses to Alex's question about the 56K modem were, were really <laughs> hilarious. I'm going to read a few of them because I love it. Now, I had a 56K modem, so I can completely relate. So if you're not Times like two. a... Times two, okay, buddy. Good. Yeah. Well, if you can relate to this, you'll find this funny. Um, William Marshall said, I just had flashbacks of the dial-up tone, and I swear it's just as vivid as war flashbacks. <laughs> You've got like PTSD from the, from the uh, dial tone, which I can relate to. Somebody said, Henrik said, I felt nostalgic, nostalgic a couple of years ago and said it to my ringtone. Didn't last a day before I had to change it. I've done that. Uh, I've done that. And same thing. Really? It didn't last long. Yeah, I've done that. It's so funny for like 10 minutes. And then it's not funny anymore. I, I'd never thought of doing it. I kind of wanted to do it. And then I'm like, I'll just take Henrik's advice. I'm yeah. not going to waste my time because I will end up changing it immediately. Uh, Dayton said, I remember, uh, distinctly remember my level 17 halfling warrior leveling in high keeps basement on dial up when my mom called someone and he's got like the you know, flat face, oh. oh, phone line issues back in the day were big. Um, and, uh, yeah. So Noah said, I remember when hitting the 56 K modem was awesome because if you didn't, then you had a 33.6 and yes, oh. I, I had that. Actually, I think I might have skipped. I went from like the lower one below 28, that. Like 8, 28, 28, 8. 8. Yes, that's what I had. And then I went to 56K. Well, the funny part about it is like what he's saying is like when you connected to the internet, you connected to another modem. So you could have a 56K times two, for example, which was, you know, all the rage back then. Oh, yeah. But then you get connected to a 288. So you'd have to like log off and then try to reconnect <laughs> again. And I remember like spending an hour trying to just connect to a strong modem since I had a strong modem. But, uh, oh, I know. Right. Like I'm not a technical person, but trying to get modems to work together was like <laughs> something you had to be a wizard back in the day. And I think that's how I learned a little bit. Actually, Scott, the next comment here is really funny. It's sort of related. It says, of course, are you not already a member of the Pantheon BBS? Just hop on Gopher and look it up. If you can't find it, just message them on ICQ. <laughs> so oh, BBS is where another thing I was all over the BBS is when I was like, you, you know, preteen, 13, 12, 13 year old. Does that stand for bulletin boards? Yeah, bulletin okay, board system. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was sure. So the ones you dial into and they had like the ASCII text, right? <laughs> and it was like the most basic stuff you could think of. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another good comment. Jason said, you better ask your mom before you tie up the phone line. And then lastly, Milan said, do you want to play this game from the Museum of Technology? So <laughs> great. <laughs> you know what's so funny about that? I think I've told this story before, but I, um, I beat Diablo 1 with my best friend on dial-up peer-to-peer. Um, our parents were both, my parents were out of town and his parents were out of town and we did a direct connect over the phone lines and that bill we played all day. <laughs> oh, we got in so much trouble for the bill that that came out to be. For me. I cannot believe that my mom let me play like as much online as I got away with. Like if my kids tried to tie up our phone line like that these days, like if we had a phone line that was like a single phone <laughs> yeah, line for the house, yeah. you know, I'd kill them. Like I... <laughs> I feel like, what are you doing? Get off the stinking phone line, right? Every yeah. kid, every kid in the world, the biggest enemy, somebody said mom called. The biggest enemy was your aunt. It was always your aunt. Your aunt, <laughs> you're online, you get booted because your aunt called. Like, yeah. ah. Yeah. Like, nobody as, wants to talk to you. Stop calling. <laughs> that's where the Karen thing started back in the oh. day. Aunt Karen. Ah, <laughs> aunt Karen route. made a phone call and kicked me off Diablo. Ah, those Karens killing us. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, great. That's it for this week's community discussions. Let's talk content creator updates and new additions to Pantheon.plus. 
All right. So this is where we get in and talk about uh, the content added on Pantheon.plus, what we're working on, and any other news or notes. So um, it was actually a pretty good week for um, content community uh, stuff in Pantheon last week. Um, so here's some different things that were added on Pantheon.plus. Uh, first of all, Basgram summed up his interview with Chris Joppa Perkins into a smaller, sort of easier to digest video, breaking down sort of the key moments of the stream. So rather than having to watch an hour and a half video discussing LAS um, and how like buffs will function, which was also brought up on there, he cleaned up it, the whole like interview, which was an hour and a half into like, um, like 17 minutes roughly. So, and he also gave some extra detail and discussion. So it's a good way to um, follow up on the video if you watched it, or if you just were sort of hesitant to watch a longer video, you can check that out and get most of the details. Um, and uh, as always, since we're talking about Pantheon.plus, you can just jump on the website, hit the Basgrim logo at the top, and that'll take you to his most current video, which will be that one. Um, Nathan Napalm put out a, in a video very early last week, and it honestly, it, it was out before the rewind, but not in time for our recording. So we sort of missed announcing it. So I'll give you guys a heads up now. You can check it out on Pantheon.plus as well. But it was about world scale and new zones. And he really was hitting on the whole Black Rose Keep thing and how they were just able to move it into a different area. So he had a lot to talk about that. So you can check that out on the site as well or on his YouTube page as always. Um, the brand new Pantheon VIP roundtable that we talked about was added as well. So again, if you want to kind of look into it in more detail um, and listen to some of the things that Kilson's been through and some of the things that he works on. Um, you can do that as well there. Um, we added last week's rewind. That's, you know, that could obviously be here every week. So I won't just keep repeating that the rewind from last week is up, but you can check that out there. And um, finally, um, we actually put a video out that uh, I am actually put a lot of work into, and I was actually pretty proud with how it came out. And I got to be honest, the script on this one was probably um, one of the more challenging ones because I just kept doubting what I was talking about and I wanted to clean it up more. So this script actually took me about probably about a week and a half. So anyway, the whole purpose of it was on LAS. And because of Basgrim's video, obviously, with Joppa, um, you know, I felt like Basgrim was sort of in the middle of like LAS or UAS, like which one he was kind of favoring, but I felt like maybe he leans a little bit more towards UAS. So I just really wanted to put something together to talk for LAS, like to make a straight up video that says, listen, I like LAS. Here's why. And to me, this is the only way to go. So it's very opinionated video. Um, so to me, it's just, you know, that that's it. It's simple as that. Like when you watch it, no, it's a one-sided video and this is why. And then of course, let me know if you disagree, but you can check that out on Pantheon.plus. That's our newest video currently. Um, so I don't know. I, I was really, I don't know what you think about it, Derek, but it was, um, it was great. You know, everybody should go watch it. The way you structured it um, was really clean and clear um, in the comments. When you go check out the video and you look in the comments, I think you'll see that um, <clears throat> you did such a good job of, of sort of conveying your point and, and making the argument that you were trying to make. Um, whether you agree with it or not, you know, whether you agree with, with your, um, you know, your take on it, which I, I do, of course, but, um, there are of course other argu arguments for it, but, um, it was, it was just a really nicely put together video. So you're all the work you put into that really showed. Yeah. The gist of it is guys is like, to me, it just plays so heavily into the group dynamic and social aspects of, uh, tackling content with a team. And I think that that's really just, it's like really the core of why I want to play Pantheon. And I think that in every way, shape and form, this LAS or limited action set setup 
just, it makes you rely on others more. And, and I'm totally okay with that. Like I'm just, I'm against the whole, like I'm the superstar and we died because of me. Like I just, I don't know. Teamwork. That, that's yeah. Cool. One of the things in the video I liked the most was the way you sort of set up a, a, an example group, right? You sort of laid it out on the screen. Anyway, I won't spoil it for people, but it, there's a good visual in there for you to sort of see what you're saying. I really appreciated that. Know your role, play your role. That's the one takeaway I hope some people come away with. But I could go on forever about this. But if you're interested in hearing my side, check it out. And whether you agree or not, let me know what you think. So, yeah. um, Theric, you have some news. So let me give you yeah. the mic here. And, and you can talk about what's coming up uh, soon here on Pantheon. Yeah. So I'll just jump in here and announce that um, I got part four of my um, Lore of the Classes uh, video done. So the series is now finished. And um, we're going to release it on Monday next week. So if you're listening to this on Sunday, it's uh, coming out in a couple of days. And, um, you know, I, I basically, if you haven't been following the series, I go through each of the classes in Pantheon and find some detail about them that connects to the lore and sort of tells their story. So like, you know, if a class has a special connection to a certain race or a skill that they have that's sort of named after a legendary character or maybe just, you know, a special role in the history of the world. Um, that, those are the kind of things I tried to point out. So when I knew when I decided to do a four-part four part series that seeing it through to completion would be a serious challenge. <laughs> I should probably aim a little lower next time because it was it was a grind a little bit. And there were some definitely some moments where I thought I wasn't going to find that piece of lore that I needed to connect without going like way off the deep end and sort of theory crafting, you know, way too much. But to be honest, um, it was the comments in the community from the community and the, and the kind words that really kept me motivated. So I really thank you to everybody for for. Uh, motivating me to continue on with it so if you want to learn about the lore of the dire lord the paladin the ranger and the bard just so Ooh. you know um, I did i included the bard there's actually some cool lore about the bard that they've uh, i won't spoil it again but uh check it out on monday it'll go live then um you know and i'm always up for ideas for uh, a new lore project to tackle so if you have an idea or you want me to think about trying to delve into something just you know ping me find me and uh, let me know what it is and i'm i'm happy to look into it so Good stuff, man. Like I've said it a bunch of times, but the detail you go into and the way that you know the lore to be able to draw some of these connections. And I know sometimes it's theory craft, but it's usually pretty legit. And and I'll say this too, for those that don't know, we were doing a Pantheon plus you and some of VR were talking about, or, or was it, uh, maybe it was something else. Gerhardt was talking yeah, about, Gerhardt. yeah, I was talking about like how he loves watching your videos. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I had a, I had a moment there. <laughs> <Like laughs> so a moment. if the, if the master of Pantheon lore is enjoying Theric's take on the lore, then we're in good shape. So good job to you, Theric. Thanks dude. So what's being worked on, on Pantheon.plus, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record here. We're still working on the article submission tool. Um, we're using an open source, rich text application that was working. Okay. But the more and more we tested, it was just buggy and it was crashing a bit. And like the last thing I want is you go to a website and crashes because of an add-on. Like, no thank you. So we actually found a different um, like add-on slash open source mechanic we can build into the site. And it seems to be very clean. So we're really excited to put this into its actual test environment. And like and on our beta site, we actually throw it in and can play with it. And we have some article writers who go in and really put it to work to kind of tell us what issues they're having. So um, that should actually be done in like a, a form for us to go test within our own site very shortly. And if that can pass some of our tests, that's going to push us very forward with the article submission. We think this is going to be a really big deal because we're going to be allowing people to write their own articles, write their own stories, lore, whatever they want to put on the site. 
and have that as a part of Pantheon.plus. So you're not just waiting for videos from us content creators. You're actually going to have articles that you can comment on, be a part on, and, and write your own opinions and even link back to your sites or your projects that you work on. So we're really excited for that. And it's also going to play a lot into some of the other things. That's why this is taking a little longer. And when I say we're, we're getting there, I don't know how quick this is going to be. But when we do, it'll be a full featured part of the site. And we hope that um, you guys will come submit some articles on the video. So some other um, news from us is that we recently put a tweet out and a Discord post. We're actually looking for a front-end web developer. Um, and we'd love to bring somebody in from the community who may be interested in actually becoming a partner at Pantheon Plus. Now, what does that mean, becoming a partner? It means it's, you know, sitting down and talking about what percentage and blah, 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 and where we're going to go. Um, we're not just looking to hire someone temporarily. We want to bring a partner in who's going to be here for the long run. And there's a lot we have to work on with that. But if you're somebody who is into front-end web development, um, hit me up on Twitter or Discord or whatever you want to do. Uh, make no mistake that my partner in crime, Poiru, is doing a great job. And he's he's always just, he's a super crazy back-end programmer. And he's learning the front-end as we go. So if we don't find somebody who fits our team, it's not going to stop us from doing what we want to do. We just think that if we can find someone who wants to come in as a partner who has experience in HTML, JavaScript, or CSS, um, I think that it's going to help us get to things quicker. And quicker is always good. So if you're interested or you know somebody, uh, shoot them our way and maybe we'll find another partner to bring in to the Pantheon Plus team here and help build our future up a little bit. So with that, that is it for news with Pantheon.plus. And I'll turn it over to you. Discounts, upcoming games, and general rants. Here's our wish list. Okay, so uh, we are on the wish list now. And so <laughs> in the Pantheon community, you know, you guys think we've been waiting for Pantheon for quite a while, right? Like it's been a long cycle. But let me share a little tale about a game that I've been waiting for for eight years. So back in 2012, which was like the heyday of like crazy Kickstarter projects, there was a new game by the two guys who created the Space Quest games back in the late 80s, early 90s, and it was announced it's called Space Adventure. So now the Space Quest series is like seriously cherished childhood memory of mine. And I love those games, the third one in particular. And of course, I jumped in headfirst on this Kickstarter project, backed the project at a pretty high level, and it met its funding goals with like 10,000 other backers. Now, at that time, the estimated delivery date was 2013. After all, it's a fairly simple adventure game, and it really had a pretty small budget. It was like a $500,000 budget. So it seemed reasonable, and, you know, there might be some delays be, could be expected. Well, here we are. It's 2020, and we are still waiting for this game. <laughs> I love Space Quest, too, so, and I heard about that. That's crazy. I can't, I just, until you brought it up, I completely forgot about that. You, you probably are better off for having forgotten about this game because <laughs> I don't know how anybody like I've kept a very casual eye on the comments section on the Kickstarter project page, mostly for laughs, because it's been a running joke to detail all the life changes that people have had since backing this project. Like people have had kids, you know, they've grown up, they've had gotten jobs, you name it, they got married, everything. So I'm a pretty patient person, but honestly, eight years for an adventure game is seriously pushing it. So, of course, I'm thinking probably the project's dead in the water. Who knows? There might still be a glimmer of hope. There have been updates from the developers. Um, they're vague and they're pretty infrequent. But last month, so in June, we actually got an email that stated it was going to launch in June. You know, and nobody here really believed it, or at least the people in the comment section and myself included sort of took it for what it is. And of course, here we are in July and the game hasn't been released. It hasn't launched, but the developers saying they're going to do some testing. And then now they're saying it's going to come out this month in July. 
<laughs> it's one of the most bizarre adventures I've ever ever experienced waiting for a game to come out. But it's it's kind of ironic, actually, because if you ever played the Space Quest games, Roger Wilco always managed to sort of fall ass backwards into saving the day. And if Space Venture does ever get finished and it's halfway decent, I will consider it a misadventure for the ages. So if you guys are listening, if anybody's an old fa- a fan of the old Sierra adventure games and this game does see the light of day, I'm going to I'm going to hype it. I'm going to talk about it here on the rewind and I'll let you guys know. So you don't have to sort of torture yourself for eight years like I have been with this game. So I will give you a way to wisely spend your hard earned money instead <laughs> of on crazy Kickstarter projects. Mm-hmm. Mine is I was so inspired by your wish list last week that I actually followed through and I got the Xbox Game Pass. And you're so right, like a buck for the first month and the access to games you have is, is crazy. I downloaded and I played uh, No Man's Sky, which I've had on my Steam wish list for a long time. So I got the t- like the tutorial planet done and then I went and discovered my first planet and I promptly renamed it Terminus. So, you know, if... I'll do anything to experience Pantheon early. Maybe this is something <laughs> I, can, <laughs> I can try and make into like a Terminus type world. I don't know. I've enjoyed the short time I've had with it so far, and I'm definitely going to keep playing it. I actually read this today that Fallout 76 is coming to Game Pass next week. Um, I've been a fan of the Fallout series forever. Um, and I wasn't going to do this one, though, because for a lot of different reasons, for whatever, um, because of the game isn't that, doesn't seem to be getting all that good reviews and doesn't seem to be that great. But if I can get it on the cheap, I'm going to definitely give it a shot. Um, I know Micah was actually tweeting about it today or yesterday or something. He's been playing it and really enjoying it. So I'm going to try it. But now I just have to figure out which of my other monthly subscriptions has to go so I can make room for my ongoing Game Pass subscriptions. So, yeah. Minus, what's um, what's on your wish list this week, man? Well, I'm happy that you, uh, you got the Game Pass because now I can make you play games with me every once in a while. That'd be good. Totally. I'm in. So, um, yes, I hyped up the Game Pass, but I, too, bought the Game Pass <laughs> after discussing it on the wish list, and I downloaded a bunch of games. So the main reason I downloaded it, or, like, subscribed, I guess you'd say, was for Plague's Tale. Um, but, like, I haven't even started that yet, because I downloaded it, and I've been downloading a ton of other games, right? So I played a little Streets of Rage 4, and let me tell you, that brought back the feels. The only thing I wish is they had skate back. I think skate was in the second or third one. And he was like super fast and had the skate, like the rollerblades on. I really liked skate. Uh, he was <laughs> awesome. He's not in it. And Axel's looking pretty chunky. <laughs> like he's, Time has not done well in Axel. Um, but I also downloaded a few others I haven't tried yet. Like Hellblade. I've heard a lot of really good things about. So that's on yep. there. That's like a huge story driven game. Yeah, I want to um, play that one. Yeah, you know, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. So I just remember the old SNES Power Ranger games. I'm like, oh, if this is like, apparently it's a fighting game, but I'm like, it's free. I'm going to try it. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I started laughing when I saw it. I'm like, oh, downloading. Um, we were having some fun on Discord the other night talking about uh, these games. You were sharing screenshots and, and we were having a good time sort of, you know, reliving some memories and, and laughing at some of the games that uh, you were playing there. Yeah. I mean, some of them were stupid, but it was so much fun. Um, however, even with all these games floating in my library now, and I will play Plague's Tale, I promise you, but the game that really hyped me up and I played for a few hours is called Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. So the game is described as follows. I'll read you their exact quotes here. It says, Bloodstained is an ex- exploration-focused side-scroller action RPG packing all of the best features you've come to know and love from the Metroidvania genre into a single content-packed game. Ooh. It's a lot of stuff. Um, play as Miriam, an orphan scarred by an alchemist's curse, which slowly crystallizes her body. And in order to save herself, and indeed, all of humanity, 
she must battle her way through a demon-infused castle summoned by Gabel, her old friend, whose body and mind has also become more flesh, or crystal, than flesh. Wow, you're really into this game. Yeah, so maybe the story doesn't sound that great, but, but um, <laughs> the, the first part of the explanation is alive and well. In my short time playing, I've gotten very heavy, like the GBA Castlevania games, and that's a really good thing. So like everybody always talks of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, right? And that's like the big one. But the GBA had better games, like more advanced leveling, more weapons, more depth. And the GBA just had some amazing Castlevania games. So this game has a leveling system, an ability uh, collecting system through killing of enemies, very similar again to some of the GBA games. Um, the abilities can also be leveled up. It has what appears to be a pretty deep crafting system from what I've seen. I just really can't rave enough about this game. For the genre, it looks amazing. It feels great. Um, the different weapons I've tried so far have all given me a different feel for combat. And also with like multiple ways to use magic. For like, for example, you can use the right stick on a controller to aim your magic and then cast it. So like you can shoot fireballs like in any direction you want, which is actually pretty cool because it gives you accuracy that's sort of needed for hitting enemies like hiding around a corner or like higher or lower than you. And you can use it pretty strategically. So I just think the control and the different weapons in the game are really good. So I just really, I really can't say enough about this. I really highly recommend checking it out. It is an indie game that was a Kickstarter backed mm -hmm. game. Um, yeah. And um, it's on the game pass if you want to give it a go. So from anywhere from a dollar to five bucks, you can pick up uh, this access to it this month and play a bunch of other things. Um, I can't, it's, it's really hard for me to recommend picking up elsewhere when you can get it for a dollar to five bucks. But if yeah. you're, and, and also like, I'm starting to feel like I'm a paid advertisement here for the game pass because I've been talking about it recently. <laughs> we'll get um, off it next week. Probably. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll play everything for 10 minutes and be done with it. Um, but seriously, it's worth a couple bucks. Um, if you are a fan of steam, however, I did want to check, um, so if that's how you game and you want to own games outright instead of sorting renting them for a month or whatever, uh, the game is on sale for 40% off at Steam and it's about 24 bucks. So yeah, you can still that like a lot of fun. I'm gonna have to check that one out too. It's pretty cool. If you like that style of game, like the Metrovania, Metroidvania yeah. games, it's dude, it's legit. It's, it's really cool. Now the thing is though, is I need to play Streets of Rage 4 with you. So you need to download Streets of Rage 4 so we can two player co-op. So I'll, I'll do it as soon as we're done recording. I'm going to download it right now. All right. Sounds good. Cause I need help because I'm getting whooped in stage three. So <laughs> I can't promise I'll help you, but I'll uh, try. It's so old school. Like you're going to feel old school right away. Like being in the arcade. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is it for the rewind this week. We thank everybody for again, coming out and listening as always, please give us your feedback, give us your notes, take part in our conversation by adding to the points that you like or what you don't like. Uh, this show is for the community, so we hope that you'll let us know the things that you enjoy us talking about and help us with deciding what future content we're going to continue to push. So hopefully you guys like the wish list. If not, let us know what you'd like us to talk about more. So, Theric, another great show. Thank you for your time, and thank you for putting everything into this that you do, and I'll see you next week. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Be sure to follow Minus and all Pantheon Plus related content on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube under the name Pantheon Plus. Also, be sure to follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter. Keep up to date on all Pantheon Rise of the Fallen information on www.pantheon.plus, the definitive source for all media of Pantheon. Until next time.